Aloha and welcome to the Science Hawaii podcast, your station for all things science and education in Hawaii, brought to you by the Hawaii Science Teachers Association. Aloha scientists and welcome back to the Science Hawaii podcast. My name is Coyote and I am your host, part of the Hawaii Science Teachers Association. I am so glad to be here with Art Kimura, who is part of the Hawaii Space Grant Consortium. He's here to talk to us a little bit about the past, present, and future of space education here in Hawaii. Thank you so much for joining us, Art. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. My name is Art Kimura. I uh, was a science teacher, retired from the Department of Education after a 28-year career. I served in the Air Force and Air National Guard for 28 years as an air weapons director. So how did you get involved in space education? I think my turning point uh, after teaching at McKinley High School Science, I was a biology teacher. The President Reagan at the time announced the opportunity for a private citizen to fly in space on the space shuttle. And their panel uh, who determined who would go first determined it should be a teacher. So there was a national contest called the Teacher in Space Project. So did you end up applying? I applied knowing the chances of winning was slim to none, but myself and a St. Louis physics teacher, Dr. Josiati, were selected to represent Hawaii. So in 1985, 112 of us gathered in Washington, D.C., two from every state and also two from various other uh, groups such as um, the the territories we had, like Guam and so forth. And mm-hmm. there was a national selection of the 10 uh, finalists, and then they called the 10 down to two. So in their final selection, they chose very appropriately a social studies teacher, and her backup was a second grade teacher. And in January 1986, we all know now, it ended with a tragic accident where the Challenger exploded with teacher in space, Kristen McAuliffe on board, social studies teacher from New Hampshire, and including Hawaii's first astronaut, Ellison Onizuka. It was such a tragedy. Absolutely. That's a horrible tragedy. Um, How did that affect Hawaii? The state asked me to go around to schools and talk to the children about the space program to give them hope that they should not despair despite the tragedy. So for a year, I traveled from school to school on all the islands doing assembly-type programs in a cafeteria at the time, using only black and white transparencies, not even color slides or anything. And, <laughs> and yet, they seem captured by the idea of uh, going into space. During that time, um, the state of Hawaii started a new program. So an office was created called Office of Space Industry. I was invited to become part of that office on loan from the DOE. Part of the study they had done was to incorporate Uh, space education, including establishing a space camp in Hawaii. We set out on this journey to see whether it was feasible for us to establish a space camp. Since uh, 1987, um, we took our first group to the U.S. space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. And over a course of six years, we took about six, five to 600 students and teachers for this week-long experience there. Space camp sounds awesome, first of all. Um, What was the effect of that? I guess it convinced me it was a template that we could use because uh, my son attended during our second year as an eighth grader. And I can still remember when we returned home to Hawaii, 
he asked me, Dad, how do I become an aeronautical engineer? You know, how do I go, wow. how do I go to the Air Force Academy? That one week experience really convinced him this was something to pursue. And interesting, in that first group, we took 54 students. Uh, I think about 80% went into some kind of STEM career. I mean, they were already in STEM, I think, but then this kind of pushed them over the edge. And it's well documented that many children get influenced just by that week-long experience. What Space Camp impressed me most about was using the context of space, in this case, flying a space shuttle. The kids work from early morning to late at night. I mean, it was amazing to see how diligent they were, how enthusiastic they were. And in the end, they flew a mission, a culminating mission simulated uh, that showed what they could do as either the commander or the pilot or mission control. Wow, that is like challenging, rigorous, hands-on, and authentic. I, I feel like that's something that should have been brought to Hawaii, right? We started our own space camp program in 1991 uh, called the Future Flight Hawaii. And so we, we did this program for 25 years. And basically, we had week-long residential camps. We had uh, weekend family camps. We had day camps. And it was just a marvelous experience. I mean, our, the teacher volunteers and the people we hired for minimal salary just did such an amazing job of affecting these students. And today, of course, many of them are adults and we meet them. And it's, it was such an unforgettable experience for them that they still have some of the materials that we gave to them. So we use themes like uh, Return to the Moon, International Mission to Mars, in which we would use the lava fields as our field simulation. So we would make believe they landed on the moon, landed on Mars in mission crews, and we'd have a debrief. For 25 years, we did that. We had to retire because, frankly, we just got too old because it's such a rigorous uh, program to prepare and execute. But we had teachers, as many as 50 teachers a summer would come and be a part of our what we call our mission control. As part of it, we offered a three-credit course that teachers could sign up for and come as um, pretty much assistance to our lead instructors. And I, I think of all the things I've done, it, it was just the outcomes are the most positive with that. At the same time, the DOE had funds from the legislature, uh, about $75,000 a year to run what they call space conferences. The first one was in Kona, in which they brought in an astronaut. They had Carl Sagan there. What they found out was the kids were pretty bored. I mean, they were ninth graders, 10th graders, because it was just lecture, lecture, lecture. I mean, Carl Sagan, like that is iconic, but I get it, you know, lecture, 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 not exactly engaging our students the best way that we can. So the following year, the DOE asked me if I could kind of see what we could do with this fund. So we created what we call space conferences around the state in which, again, we use space themes like going to the moon or landing on Mars. We use a bus as our launch vehicle and land them somewhere. And it was marvelous. Uh, we could take it to all the islands. Uh, we had schools from all the different islands represented. It, it made a big impact. Unfortunately, through weighted student formula, that $75,000 all split up into small chunks and each school has given a portion of the money. Of course, schools didn't understand what it was for and it got merged into the general budget. So that program ended when weighted student formula started. 
we decided we wanted to try something internationally. So early on, before really the advent of real rigorous email and internet, we we developed a program called Virtually Marsville, in which six schools in Japan and four in Hawaii collaborated by email, no pictures, we did not allow pictures in their native language to design a future Martian habitat. And we culminated that with a 10 school, uh, three hour video conference. Just an amazing experience uh, having this virtual experience way back then, now that I think back about it, it, it was pretty cutting edge, I thought it now that I think back about it. So 10 of us went to Japan and actually visited schools there. And it was pretty eye-opening to walk into a Japanese classroom at the time. I guess I had this perception looking at movies and Japanese classroom, chalkboard, students sitting rigidly at their desk. But I remember the first classroom we walked into, a fifth grade classroom, the kids are all on the floor, on their desks, they're all deployed. Teacher is actually on her knees, kneeling next to the desk. The, the kids are learning about paper. And they were separated into groups in which one group was using the internet to study how to make paper. Another was actually making paper from, I guess, recycled news, newsprint. A group was uh, doing library research, textbook research. And there was a group even uh, calling people in the paper industry to interview them. I thought, wow, look at the multimodal way these kids are learning. It really taught me a lot. In honor of Hawaii's two astronauts, Phyllis and Onizuka, and Hawaii's second astronaut, Charles Lacey Beach, um, we set up two astronaut recognition days. Um, one, the Onizuka Day, we've had it for 20 years. Unfortunately, due to COVID, we're not going to have it this January. But our astronaut Beach Day, which we ran live for 18 years, we had that virtual experience this year, which has turned out to be an interesting template to work with. And I'm not sure if we're going to return to live with that. There's a discussion now whether we should keep it virtual even without, with, even when it becomes safe to have live events. It's just because we reached probably 3,000 people with this uh, virtual event. That's awesome. Is that um, like a collaborative program? Do you guys have any partners that you work with? We've been very fortunate to be involved with NASA. They've had some amazing programs, uh, some that no longer exist, but some that still do. Uh, we had the NASA Explorer Schools program, in which Hawaii had two of the first NASA Explorer Schools in the nation, Waimea Middle School and Chief Eskumekahele Middle School. Each was generously supported by having teachers go to symposiums, institutes at NASA centers, supported with astronaut visits. Uh, we had satellite downlinks, live ones hosted. Pro City Elementary School became our first NASA Explorer School Elementary. Part of my aerospace experience was actually being invited to be part of a committee that would help initiate what was to become the current Imiloa Astronomy Center in Hilo. During the first planning meeting that was held in Hilo, we gathered to discuss what this facility could be. And representing NASA, since Senator Inoue, who was providing, provided the money, was flowing the money through NASA, a NASA representative was there. By chance, I happened to sit with him as I was walking around looking for a place to have my dinner, and that turned out to be a life-changing experience. He was a NASA engineer who was working with schools on scholastic robotics. At the time, the program that they were running is called FIRST. 
And he had me so excited because he was telling me about how they could take gang kids off the street of San Francisco and turn them into students that were going to college, including UC Berkeley. He said, by coincidence, I brought a scholarship with me. So I asked him, could I have it? Because I know a teacher at the school I was teaching at McKinley that would love to do it. And he said, well, I gave it to the DOE Department of Education, and they would decide what school would get that scholarship. Oh, man. I mean, that makes sense, though. So in the conversation, I kept badgering him. I kept saying, don't you have another one for us? Can I get a second one? So we had two scholarships that first year, 21 years ago. As it turns out, DOE selected Wailua High School, and which is considered to be one of the premier programs, not only in Hawaii, but in the world, in my opinion. What the program represents and what they've done out there is truly amazing. Today, we have nine different scholastic robotics programs and probably about 700 teams. I think probably in about 30 to 35% of the schools have some form of scholastic robotics program. And through this uh, program, we've been able to generate more interest in STEM, I believe, and many more children consider engineering as a career or computer science because it gives them a real world context to work on. Our kids, when you give them the opportunity, they rise to the challenge, they compete well, but not only they compete well, they're very gracious in, in the way their attitudes, they're humble. Over and over again, you hear about how much aloha they spread around the world through robotics. So I think, I think that's one area I would personally like to pursue more is how do we create more global connections? Because in the end, our collaboration has to be global now, not just local. And through the internet, it's much, much easier today. I think that's, I mean, I'm just so um, impressed to hear of all the opportunities that have been around in Hawaii. And also to hear about how these opportunities give students real experiences and those experiences do change their lives. Hearing about those stories you're talking about where people are exposed and connecting students with those experiences and scientists makes a big difference. So I feel like that's like so amazing. I feel like that's one of the most important things that I'm hearing from you too, is giving those students those experiences. It's time for the rapid fire round. (laughs) Okay, it's called the rapid fire round. What you do is you answer these questions as quick as you can. They're simple, short answer questions. You ready? Go ahead. All right, what is your favorite place to visit on Hawaii Island? The ocean. I love fishing. Oh, good, good, good. (laughs) Maybe this is a follow-up question. What is your favorite local food? Fried fish. Mm. A TV show that you liked growing up? Uh, growing up, well, very young, Buck Rogers. What is the scariest thing you've ever done? I have a fear of heights. So any place I go where I'm standing near the edge. <laughs> um, last question, something that you are most proud of? Uh, my family, they've been just very supportive and I'm, I'm just so proud of my children and what they've come to become. Wow, that's awesome. In your opinion and your experience, what is the future of space education here in Hawaii? I think we're in a good place. Um, we have some incredible programs that are going on. The Challenger Center Hawaii, I'm not sure if you've ever had the opportunity, go out at Bobbers Point Elementary School that has a simulator out there 
Uh, we also have the Windward Community College Aerospace Lab that has a marvelous facility and program, including a planetarium. We have the Emilo Astronomy Center on the Big Island. We have the Bishop Museum. So we're in a good place, I think. I think what's lacking is, uh, as I noted earlier, the loss of the space conference money, I think, was a tremendous loss when the funds were deployed. I believe yeah. we need more orchestrated, coordinated, project-based learning for our schools in which we provide the template, the materials, and the culminating activity. The reason why scholastic robotics works really well is because there is a culminating activity, the event, the tournament, the challenge, whatever it is. Uh, it gives the students a, a something to shoot for. They work hard toward that final uh, solution that they are seeking. Yeah, it's good to hear that you think we're in a good place. And that also we still have stuff to work on, like providing an actual cohesive collaborative structure that is going to bring all our students together for a common shared vision. I think that's important. I mean, you see that with robotics, it sounds like, but also things like science fair, um, you know, things like that, where there's actually some sort of direction. I'm just so impressed and taken back by how much you've been able to contribute and do for our state. And I thank you so very much. Not at all. It's, it's just been a privilege and a joy, I can tell you that. And I think the future is really exciting. I mean, with, with this new Educator Astronaut Program and all the things that NASA is trying to do in education to encourage more young people to go into STEM, I, I think there's a good place for us, you know, and as Nainoa Thompson uh, has said, you know, and even Joe, Joe Acaba and other astronauts have said, you know, Hawaii's in a good place because of our Polynesian um, migration. Those people who came to Hawaii, they were like exploring another world. I mean, imagine what they were doing at the time with their kinds of uh, engineering and technology and yet amazing things that they did. So we need to bring that kind of, you know, I think voyaging, exploration, exploring kind of attitude back into our young people. And I know I talked about, you know, all of us need to plant seeds of hope. And we need to look at exploration and explorers as an avenue to getting students to become more excited about the future. Okay, well, Art, that is everything I have for you. Is there anything you want to say before we go? Uh, no, I just thank you for the opportunity to share some of my history. Uh, some of our vision and our work. Thank you. No, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I really do appreciate you. You are the um, shining star in space education right now in my eyes. <laughs> uh, uh, many, many shining stars out there. So thank you. Um, thank you too. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I hope to talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye.